Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, no matter where you are around the world, and welcome to the Intuitive Customer. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you want to... So today, we're going to talk about uh, an idea that has been um, very popular in both academic and practitioner circles, um, uh, partly because the, one of the champions of the idea won a Nobel Prize, so people tend to listen to him. Uh, this is the, the idea, the two-system model of cognition. So the idea is that people have more than one way of thinking about something. Um, so let me let me start off with the, an example. So this is a bit of research that was done a couple of years ago at Vanderbilt University. So they took skilled typists, so people who could average 72 to 94 words per minute, and they gave them about a minute and a half to fill in a blank keyboard. So they had a piece of paper that had the standard keyboard format on it, and they gave them 80 seconds to write in all the letters. And they couldn't do it. Um, they, they failed the test. Uh, let me see. They got uh, 57% of the keys were labeled correctly. Uh, that's an F. Uh, 22 were mislabeled, and 21% of the keys were not labeled at all. So that's interesting. Um, the question is, how is such a thing like that even possible? Right? Our brain is directing our fingers to type very quickly and yet our brain doesn't know where the letters are on the key. So this is one example of a whole broad category of research on what you might call two minds phenomena, the idea that there's more than one operating system going on up there, and sometimes they don't talk to each other very well. So there's a part of our brain that knows exactly where all those letters are, and that part of the brain is a part of the brain that we can't reach. So um, anything you want to... And I know that you've talked to a lot of people about two-system uh, models. Yeah, as well. I think that for me, the um, it, it, it's when you start to listen to what people say, where they sort of will say, "I'm in two minds about this," or yeah. um, you know, "head and the heart." Um, right. Is it a heart decision? This is a head decision, uh, um, and things like uh, I've always been fascinated by the you know your your gut reaction to something. Right. Check. Yeah, or they've got experience, and, and you know, and and it's interesting when you're saying those types of things. You're going, well, where are they pulling that information from then to make that even the advice? Even the advice to sleep on it, right? Yeah, suggesting that we're going to shut down our uh, active mind system, and it's still going to be working somewhere. Right? There's some part of us that's still chewing away on that, um, and it might come to a different outcome. Yeah, no, and and I think those things are are are, are fascinating. So you know, it, it's a bit like when you're starting to say from a customer experience perspective, you know, is this a good experience or is this a bad experience? Um, and, and there's then something in your mind that sort of flips you over the edge from going, this is average to either this is good or this is this is this is bad. So for me, it's you know how those things. How do those things work together, basically? Right. So, and that, that is the big question. So uh, why don't we breeze really quickly through kind of a definition of these two minds, 
And then let's talk about why it matters and, and what people can do with it. So the idea that have people have more than one system is actually not a new one. You can go back to Aristotle, who talked about the soul and the mind. Uh, Freud obviously talked about the id and the ego. Um, and there have been a lot of psychologists who have uh, studied uh, the tacit versus the deliberate system, or the experiential and the rational, or the associative and the rule-based. Psychologists have settled on a label that they're comfortable with, and with all of these poetic terms that they had available to them, tacit versus rule-based and associative, that they ultimately settled on calling them System 1 and System 2, which are like the, the most boring, awful... Perspective, haven't you? Yeah, no, academia and marketing just don't seem to go. <laughs> no. Um, and when I teach this to students, the poor students will constantly get the numbers mixed up, which one is one, which one is two. So system one is the automatic, intuitive, fast system. So this is um, this is the part of the brain that you don't have access to. So it's it's running in the background all the time. It's like the large intestine of thinking. It's just it's doing its job, and you don't you don't control it. It's just it's just going on there on its own. Um, one important thing, a couple important things about System One, it's uh, free essentially from a cognitive resource perspective. Uh, it, it doesn't make you tired. It doesn't wear you out. It doesn't require resources. It's just always running. It's a parallel system, which means it can do more than one thing at a time. Um, it's a good multitasker. And it's automatic. Um, it's just always going, and, and you can't actually control it deliberately. So that's system one. System two is the part of the brain that you think of when you think of you um, mentally. This is the part that you have access to. It's slow, relatively speaking. It's resource-intensive. So anytime you have to concentrate and it feels like you're burning calories by thinking about something, that's system two. Um, it's a serial processor, which means it can only do one thing at a time. So when we talk about the dangers of multitasking, how you can't really concentrate on multiple things at the same time, that's a system two problem. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. We've labeled them somewhat differently from System 1 and System 2. We've called them the intuitive customer, um, which is, you know, because when you think about it, what you want to do is you want your customers to buy from you intuitively. You don't want them to have to think about buying from you. And the other part is we called it the rational system. So the rational system, uh, system two, is the bit where you have to think. So uh, if you just think about this for a moment, um, uh, example I always use is that I, I intuitively buy Apple products. I don't think about which computer am I going to get, um, what you know, am I going to get a, a Samsung Galaxy? No, I'm not. I'm buying everything Apple. I intuitively fly Delta. Uh, I intuitively use my American Express card. So I don't make a decision about 
well, I do make a decision, obviously, technically, uh, but I'm not making a decision rationally about those. Now, the interesting part, and I don't think I've told you this right, is I flew up to Washington, D.C. the other week from Florida, where I live, um, and I flew up there and um, I went, guess what? I flew with Delta. Uh, and uh, I met one of the one of my guys up there, uh, and he turned around and said, and he lives in Florida, and he said, "Oh, did you come up on Southwest?" And I went, "No, I came up on Delta." And it, and basically, long and short of it is, um, he flew direct. Uh, I threw through Atlanta. If I had a if if my intuitive system hadn't told me to fly with Delta. I would have actually flown. <laughs> if my rational system had a cut in, I would have gone. No, actually, I'll fly southwest because that will save me a couple of hours. Um, but you know, so you know, it's interesting that it has sort of good and good and not so good sometimes. So, so the, and this is the key insight. So, a, a lot of people have heard of these two systems and um, uh, may have read "Thinking Fast and Slow" by uh, Daniel Kahneman. He's a Nobel Prize winner who's championed this idea. Uh, it's a great book. Both Colin and I wholeheartedly recommend it. Very interesting. Um, but people want to know kind of what do I do with this information? And there's there's two big insights that I think we want to talk about in, in this um, conversation today. Uh, one is this point that Colin just raised. It's how do these two systems interact with each other? How do they influence each other? Um, uh, and then the other is uh, in terms of kind of matching mindset if you're trying to anticipate your customers. So we'll talk about that one in a minute. So let's, talk, let's explore more of this idea that you just raised about uh, how are we influenced by this kind of invisible part of our mind. Um, so think that the way that these two systems interact is, is really important for understanding why we should care about this. Uh, on the one hand, we can't access system one directly. We can't tell it to do stuff for us. It's just kind of operating on its own. Um, so you might think, well, then it doesn't matter, right? We Every action that we have has to pass through our deliberative system on some level, so maybe we should just focus on that. The reason that some people have proposed these two systems exist is because um, system one is free, right? It's, it's so cheap from an uh, evolutionary perspective. And system two can then sometimes train system one to do things. We usually refer to those as habits. So, so let me get into that just because I think you just said something significant that maybe not all the audience will pick up. Yeah. That people, the, the big thing that everyone talks about in customer experience is they want something to be easy. So yeah. customers go, you are difficult to work with, you are hard to work with. What are we talking about there? We're talking about the amount of effort that somebody has to put in to do something. And again, what Ryan just spoke about, sort of from an evolutionary standpoint, effort takes energy. Energy comes from you know, food, etc. If you go back 200 years, um, getting food was difficult. Okay, So therefore, anything that takes effort from an evolutionary standpoint uh, it, we don't like as human beings. Okay, now maybe in the West we don't say that now. Um, you know, we don't necessarily um, have the cognition of of food and uh, an effort, but that's what's driving that, that behaviour. So that is at what is at the heart of your customers going. I want you to be easy to work with. Okay, which is implying 
that what they want you to be is they want, and we've all heard this phrase, we want your website to be intuitive. Yeah. yeah. We want your website to think for me because if it thinks for me, I don't have to think for myself and therefore I don't have to worry about, um, you know, the effort that I'm expending. So, so the way that I sometimes describe system one to people is as a kind of a precocious, like 10 year old child, right? One of these, one of these know it all kids, right? So if you're ever around these kids, uh, they're trying to be a part of the adult conversation. Um, and somebody will mention something and the kid will be right there with something that they've heard in school, right? They're, they're trying to be part. Think of system one that way. So system one is constantly surveying your environment your whole life and pulling together this information. And then anytime you go into some situation, so Colin is, um, at the cash register and he's gonna buy something. Well, system one is, is looking and he goes, oh, I, I know what's supposed to happen here. Um, you want to you want to use your American Express card because that's what you've done over and over again, and so it pulls up these these memories, these feelings, these behaviors, and it it sort of pushes them towards the surface where System Two can access them more easily. Uh, and so Colin starts reaching for his wallet, and before he even has, he's got all these memories and feelings about American Express, memories of where the where the card is located in his wallet. So by the time he's He's reaching to pull it out. Most of the cognitive work has already been done, and it's been done for free. And so that makes, even if he has to make that decision, it's so much easier. It's leaning him in that direction. And that's what System 1 does. It's, it's just it's trying to help you out, right? It's, it's trying to improve your reaction time. Uh, and it does this by observation, by watching what's going on all the time. So just like that precocious 10-year-old, you know, it's, it's helpful but then sometimes it's it's just wrong. So it'll pull in information that it thinks you want, but that's not really related. So a, a lot of branding problems arise this way. So if you get something associated with your brand that is not helpful, system one is the part that's constantly bringing that information up to the forefront um, and reminding people of this unpleasant thing, the, the unhelpful time. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. So one of the other things I think is key here, Ryan, is this bit about the um, intuitive part of your brain being associative. So, yeah. so for me, that again, I go back to going, what is it when a customer says, this was a good experience, this was a bad experience? And what they're doing is they're picking up points. That intuitive part of your brain, again, is picking up, well, they sent the email and it, they sent it to the wrong address and they didn't reply and they told me my call was important and they kept me waiting for 20 minutes and then the, I got through and they cut me off. And it's pulling all these things together to be able to go, this was a good experience or this was a, this was a, a bad experience. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's so, constantly, it's looking for things that co-occur, right? And so if your brand... Uh, if your your company is co-occurring with 
negative things, system one will say, oh, those things belong together. Yeah. Um, and co-occurring with good things, then it'll, it'll match those. And so whenever they think about your brand or your store or your offering, system one is pulling up all that other information to make it more accessible, good or bad. So therefore, trying to understand, A, how your customers are thinking and uh, trying to understand, um, so again, the words of these things fascinate me. So if your yeah. customer is saying, yeah, uh, you know, my, my guts tell me to, to buy, to do this, or I just feel this is the right choice, or, you know, things like that, those are indications that your customer is using the intuitive side of their brain. If they're saying, um, I need to, as Ryan said, you know, I need to sleep on it. Let me think about that. You know, even the word probably, uh, or it depends, you know, again, has got an indication that you're, you're now starting to, you know, think about it. Yeah. And if you're thinking about it, then, um, you're more likely to be using the rational side of your, your brain as well. Yeah. And that then requires that customers actually have enough resources to devote to that kind of decision. They can't be distracted, all these things. When when a decision is intuitive, none of those other factors really matter that much. Right? So and that, that's where we start to get into the fascinating area of the interaction between the two. So yeah. a customer turns around and, and says, so, you know, as, as we've just been talking, you know, I go and buy something, I intuitively pull out my American Express card. Um, the interesting part for me is when you're, um, do you want to talk a bit about the override? Because I find that the, yeah. you know, where the rational side overrides that intuitive side. So, so we define in the book, we've got a whole chapter on this, the various ways that the two systems can interact. And we've given them labels. Um, we don't have time to go through all of them now, and I want to give you some incentive for reading the book, too. On your own. Um, but we'll cover a couple of them. So you can think of, so let's use an example. Let's suppose that you're walking down the street and you pass an ice cream parlor. Right? Um, now, system one is going to suggest that you go in and have some ice cream. right? Cause system one is... The, uh, the emotional side, it contains all of your base instincts, and so it's going to say, we should go get ice cream. System two can react to that impulse, right? Because now suddenly you have this impulse, this intuitive desire to go and get some ice cream. It can react to that in a number of different ways. So the first thing it can do is it can endorse that idea, right? It can accept it. So this impulse comes up, system one says, yeah, we should get some ice cream, let's go, right? So System one has uh, suggested something, and system two has um, accepted that. Uh, it's approved that impulse. It could also override that impulse. So system one says, oh, we should get ice cream. System two, which is where all of our higher order goals are, um, the part that remembers that we're watching our weight or watching our cholesterol or something else, says, no, no, we're not going to do it. So system one has this impulse and then system two overrides it. The third possibility that I'll, I'll talk about um, is uh, neglect. So we talked about how system two requires resources, requires concentration. If system two is distracted, uh, or if you are low in resources, if you're just tired, or if you're hungry or something else, then you system two may not do its job in overriding um, 
system two or system one, and so it may just neglect it, and so you end up going in getting ice cream without kind of thinking about it. Um, so there was, uh, let me tell you about one experiment, and then I think we want to talk more about some of these ideas. Um, there was a, a study that was run where they gave people either long or short numbers to remember. They said, here's this number. We want you to just remember it. We're going to come back in about an hour, and you're going to have to recite it to us. So there was either two-digit numbers or seven-digit numbers. And then they gave them, they had them do a bunch of tasks, and one of them was they gave them a choice between delicious chocolate cake and healthy fruit salad. Um, which one do you want to eat right now? People who had to memorize the long number were about twice as likely to get the chocolate cake. The argument being, if it's a short number, that's easy. System two doesn't have to work hard. If it's a long number, you have to constantly be reciting that, and you don't have the capacity to restrain system one as easily. Okay? Or right, so go ahead. Chocolate cake was particularly appealing. Well, but it should have been particularly appealing to everyone. In fact, they described it in the paper as decadent chocolate cake. Decadent. So, there you go. I've, I've, not, I've not seen that in my local Publix where it says decadent mm-hmm. chocolate. I'm going to go down and look for some decadent chocolate cake. You need to get the, uh, the marketing professor decadent chocolate cake. Yeah, absolutely. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. I think the important thing here for me from a customer experience perspective starts to go, you need to recognize that people can buy things intuitively, and that's obviously what you want them to do. But you also need to recognize that the rational system can come in and prevent them doing that. Okay, So then the question obviously becomes, why did it prevent them doing that? Um, and therefore, for, for us, thinking about, so when we do a journey map now, we would look at a customer's journey, and we would break it down into the individual steps, but we would then start to look at where that intuitive and rational decision-making is made, okay? So you can start to, to measure that across, um, or to manage that across the, the journey. The, the other part for me is that um, the, this, the danger is, and, 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 and again, I'll mention this, that this whole bit about um, cognitive depletion, which basically means I'm tired, I'm distracted, whatever it may, you know. In other words, I, I've used all my energy up in some way, okay? Uh, it becomes really important or whether, you know, somebody is distracted, whether there are loud noises, yeah? Because, again, that's when your rational side of your brain will decline, yeah, or, or not be as active, uh, and therefore allowing the intuitive side to, to, to make the choices. Why does this become important? Well, if you think about, and I'm sure many of you have heard of buyer's remorse, um, you know, and people taking things back. In other words, they bought something and then the next day they go, well, maybe I shouldn't have bought that. You know, 
in a lot of cases, the buyer's remorse would could, would be because they were distracted, because they made a decision when they were tired or, or, or whatever. Uh, and we've had clients who uh, talk to customers in the evenings, and a key part of that then becomes, well, is the customer coming home and they've just been, you know, had a, had a really hard day's work and now you're asking them to make a lot of decisions uh, and therefore is, uh, you know, how's that going to affect the decision making? Uh, and again, it's not saying any of that is right or wrong. It's saying that you've got to think about it and you've got to be conscious of it in the design, the design of that experience. When thinking about two systems, one is you want to think about how they interact, um, right? Because all decision making is not black and white. It's not that there are some rational and some intuitive. It's all a mix. It's just a matter of kind of how much of a mix. Um, so how do these two systems interact? And then the other one is, is what I would call mindset matching, which is essentially exactly what Colin was just talking about. Um, you, when you're doing your research and when you're designing your experiences, you want to make sure that you are taking the perspective of your customer from this cognitive perspective. So a lot of research is very rational. Right? Um, sit down and fill out these um, these survey questions and tell me on these scales exactly how much do you like this or that. Make all these choices. People are very good at doing that. But if the way they make decisions is largely intuitive, um, you know, just by kind of going with whatever jumps out at them or um, making decisions based on, um, you know, kind of ease of, of uh, uh, reducing cognitive effort, those kinds of things, then you got to realize that you're doing your research and designing your experience in a completely different way from the way that customers are actually making their choices or experiencing things. And so you will be better off if you try to match the mindset. So there are decisions that customers make that are very much system two, right? They're still influenced a little bit by the intuitive system, but they're very deliberative. They think about it. They weigh their options. Intuitive research is not going to be as informative on that side. On the other hand, there are decisions that customers make, lots of them, that are very influenced by intuition. If that's the case, then sitting down and having them fill out all kinds of surveys, probably not going to get you information that you want. So design an experience, um, design the elements of the experience to match kind of the level of cognitive uh, effort, the systems that they're using to evaluate. So here's a question I haven't asked you, which you just made me think about. Um, it makes me wonder about whether the rational system is sort of, where's the line where the rational system starts to come in? So in other words, if I'm buying, if I'm buying a, you know, a, a piece of confectionery, that's probably not gonna, you know, my, my rational system may cut in and go, you, you're eating too much, don't have it. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is if I was buying a house or buying a car, those, that choice has got far more impact. So I would have thought that there is a line where the, where you're starting to go for these types of decisions effectively this is where my rational system comes into play for these types of decisions because that's inconsequential then they don't does that make sense yeah so that's a good general rule kind of the the more important and the more unfamiliar a decision is in general 
people are going to rely a little bit more on their rational system um, when making those decisions. If it's a decision that's made frequently um, or it's a, a little consequence, then in general those are going to be more intuitive. There are always going to be exceptions, though. Um, I, I like to joke with my students that I am into mustard in a way that's just not healthy for anybody. And so when I am buying mustard, that is a system two decision for me. I am reading labels. I am making comparisons. So that that's a system one decision. That's an intuitive decision for most customers. They just kind of pick out the one with the Chinese label. But there's always going to be the weird customer who's making – there are people who buy houses intuitively, yeah. right, who just love the feel of it, and that's enough. Um, but, yes, as a general rule, that's a good one, right? You, yeah. you would anticipate that we bring our, our effortful – costly rational systems online more for more important decisions. You hadn't told me about the mustard thing before, mate. I just think that's... You're just oversharing. That's not something you want to bust out too early in a, in a working relationship, you know? People check. <laughs> We've known each other for a few years now. Absolutely. That uh, brings us to the end of the uh, this conversation. Uh, so thank you very much for everybody uh, joining. Uh, and Ryan and I will be back again in two weeks' time uh, to talk about um, the next psychological principle uh, and to talk about how that then relates to customer experience. So and as always, if there's joining. anything you want to hear about, uh, let us know. We're happy to, to talk about anything that you have heard about and want to learn more about. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got any other questions or whatever, then just go on to the Beyond Philosophy website and ping us. Uh, and we will um, we'll get back to you with an answer. Okay. Thank All you, right. Colin. Thanks a lot, everyone. See you. See you, Ryan. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.